Alright, let's try this. Wait, oh, I like I can't hear it. You can't hear it. I can hear it. Sounds good. <laughs> so I'm, I'm on a new system. I um, I, I zapped my uh, Windows 10 like main box. Yeah. And put a Ubuntu on it. So I'm, I'm trying this, trying this out, and I hope it's going to work. <laughs> but but um, yeah, I just you know just got tired of of the Windows stuff, and and I don't like Apple mac anymore for desktop or laptop so I'm trying out the, the linux for uh for my main computer that's a good beat i like it you like it you can oh. still hear it yeah. yeah yeah so um yeah well that's fun i mean you're always changing things up right you can't well, say you, you gotta stay flexible right you gotta <laughs> that's be, what my wife well, says well yeah you know you gotta be you know, open to change and to grow and to, you know, question your you know, the way that you typically do things and and see if there's a better way. Right? I mean, we talk about that yeah. a lot on the show. Right. Whether it's your everyday carry, whether it's your computing or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. It's going pretty well so far. The, the only thing is, uh, this is like a. 2013, I guess, tower, and it, you know, it's got like 16 gigs of RAM and lots of CPU and all that stuff. Um, but I, I didn't think about the Wi-Fi, and the Wi-Fi doesn't work <laughs> with Linux. <laughs> so I've got an Ethernet cord like wrapped around here in the office to the uh, nice. to the uh, thing. So maybe you know, maybe it'll be better since we're on on Ethernet now. Right. Who knows? So you still like your MacBook Pro? I love it. It really is. I'm really happy with it. Um, the touch bar is nice. I'm using it all the time. Um, well, at least more often than I was using the function keys, and that makes it worth it for me as you know the first iteration of what they're trying to do with this. Um, I've not had problems with battery life like I've seen other people complaining about. My battery life has been just great. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the only minor hassle is that everything is USB-C, and of course, all my peripherals you know, are, you know, regular USB. My external hard drive, my microphone I'm using now. So I have, you know, a lot of dongles. Um, but other than that, it's it's great. The keyboard is nice. It's the trackpad is huge. Um, has force touch in the trackpad. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I'm just really happy with it. It does exactly what I want it to do, and I don't have to, you know, don't have to listen to the fan. Sound, you know, my computer sounded like it was going to take off. Um, so yeah, I've just been happy with it. Well, I mean, have you run into any issues with with the dongle stuff? Like, have you gotten to the point where you're like, man, I, I really or woman, well, I, mean, I really wish I had like a you know SD card slot or a, a USB two or you know like any of those. Deals? So not yet. Um, I I only carry one dongle with me all the time, and that's just a USB to USB C, um, because that's just the most common one. The so my computer, my camera, I use like an SD card in my camera in my um, DSLR, but I completely wiped the old Mac and you know did a fresh install on that and gave it to my wife, and that one has an SD card, so I can just pop the card in there and pull the pictures off the camera if I want to, or I have a you know the camera's Wi-Fi capable too, so I can 
I just pulled it's sl it's a lot slower, but I can pull the pictures off that way too via Wi-Fi. So no, I've not run into anything yet, uh, and it has a headphone uh, jack. So you know, plugging headphones in won't really the only time I do that's when I record. Um, I was kind of puzzled by that. Like they, you know, like why not drop why not drop the headphone jack if you did it with the phone? Well, but you do it with the phone because of like space, right? And you don't have space constraints here that a headphone jack is going to. Uh, cause a problem with just yet anyway right? i don't i don't think it's space as much as apple really trying to push the airpods because i had a dream last night <laughs> you dreamed about airpods i did <laughs> i dream of airpods um okay so i woke up this morning at you know 5 30 or whatever when i wake up and i was like mariana I, I, i've solved it like let me i gotta write this down this is great so apple's really trying to push I'm not being facetious here. Really dreamed about this. Apple's trying to push the whole AirPod thing because you've got you know Amazon Echo and Google Home, and uh, you know any number of companies are coming out with you know these kind of home assistants over the course of the year. Apple's not going that route yet, probably not if ever. Um, and they're and they're trying to really push Siri as kind of always with you in the sense that it's right. always going to be on your phone or your iPad or you know, like it's a part of your mobile existence. So they don't need to have like a device that's separate from that. So the AirPod, and I think they called it the AirPod or AirPods, really because they they view this piece of technology in the same way that they maybe did the iPod in a, right. in a sense. Like this is something that really is transformative for the company. And it's not just like another accessory or, you know, years or whatever and, and i really think this is going back you know five ten or you know five years when we when we had that ear pod branding right um and yeah it's easy to kind of tie that to the ipod but if you really think about it the, the computing power in a single AirPod, like not even the double AirPod, is i forgot what it is it's like a hundred times more powerful than the first iphone which is kind of crazy because the first yeah. iPhone is like you know a thousand times more powerful than the the first Mac or whatever, and the, you know there's all these economies of scale. But I, I really do think that Apple is trying to do something with those AirPod, with that that metaphor, that convention to try to really push ahead this this idea of of a personal assistant. So and so what you're saying is you you think oh you, uh, you, you're you're uh, echoing here. Oh, okay. Uh, what you're saying is you think that they're going to put Siri in the AirPods. Yes. I think Siri is the AirPod. But what about, like, Apple Glass, right? Other rumors we're seeing about that. I think it has something to do with the whole AirPod thing. I don't think it's going to be visual. I think, I think it's going to be always with you in your ear. And you can wear one or two, but, it, I mean, it's it's the movie Her, <laughs> you know, but it's it's that idea of your personal assistant is always kind of there on you in person. And it's not like a device, like an echo or a Google home thing. Um, and, and the idea of those sort of wireless, constantly always connected Bluetooth earphones that you can keep in your ear at all times, uh, as goofy as they look, it's really going to catch on quickly. I think once, once well, it gets better, maybe in the second iteration, or just like, you know, just traditional Bluetooth, um, headphones caught on, right? And so, I mean, I still see see people walking around today that wear their Bluetooth twenty four seven, and you're like, 
come on, man, you're not getting that many calls, <laughs> right? But remember, that was a thing a couple of years ago. So you're, so you're saying we're going to see the AirPods like that. Um, yeah, I mean, that's interesting. You were going to say that I was exactly right. And in your mind, Apple is trying to push the her convention because they've, they realize they've lost on the AI kind of assistant thing. And that's really kind of a holdover from you know, our, our current metaphor of, of AI computing. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> and and it, yeah, yeah, and, and and they're they're thinking ahead. It's like the iPhone. It, it's an internet communicator. Do you get it? Like Steve Jobs said. Yeah, you know, like he was like it's. He kept repeating it. It's uh, it's a phone. It's an internet communicator. It's a something. Do you get it? It's a phone. It's an internet communicator. It's a something. Do you get it? I just and, um anyway that's Doug. I know, oh I know I know where I was going to go actually I really do um the problem or the hurdle right with that is uh, charging right with these wireless devices and of course you know they're Apple's working on wireless charging um but that's the problem for devices that are supposed to always be with you um, that you kind of don't think about right if it's an AirPod or something like that you wear in your ear. Um, is you know how do you charge them right what you know how easy is that going to be um and if that gets really complicated that's not um it's going to be hard to kind of gain uh widespread usage you know so what i what i would like to see is you know the disc they have for the apple watch is something like that that you can just drop your airpods on there as well drop your phone on there drop your watch on there and it charges it all or you have this kind of wireless charging maybe um once you're once you get home on your wireless network, all of your devices charge, right? Uh, something like that would work. Um, or I think that you kind of need something like that if you're going to really start pushing something like an AirPod or something like Apple Glass to be um, kind of this always-on uh, AI assistant with you. Well, the, the AirPods are going to get wireless charging way before the phone or the iPad does. Yeah. You know, and I think that's on purpose. Um, I mean, if, if Apple were to do that, I, I, I don't know. I'm still wondering how that's going to shake out because, I mean, just from a marketing point of view, can can you imagine saying like, no, no, we're going to, you know, wirelessly send electricity into these things that are hanging outside of your brain to <laughs> <laughs> charge them up at a constant megahertz yeah. frequency that you'll you'll never detect. It'll be okay. Trust us. We're Apple. No, what they should just say is just never needs charged. Right, and they just well, do and it. I'm sure they'll be clever, and they don't right. tell you that's what they're doing, right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's it's like Bluetooth, <laughs> right? Know? Like, I mean, if you think about Bluetooth, it's kind of scary uh, from that front, right? And we we you you remember? I don't know if you do. You you might be too young. When, when Bluetooth was really coming along, like 10, 15 years ago, and everyone had the big like boom mic right. things. Yeah. So I got today with one of those. Uh, you know, everyone was like, oh, I don't want that hanging outside my brain because that's going to give me cancer and, you know, whatever. And, or, you know, Wi-Fi even. So, I don't know. I, I just know that John Voigt just said that Trump was elected because God answered all of our prayers. All of our prayers, John, John Voigt said. All of our prayers. It's all over. I mean, we're done. We've got AirPods. We've got Trump uh, being inaugurated tomorrow. All of our prayers. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Right. Obviously, are you checking up a little bit over the thought of that? Yeah. Yeah. I'm checking up. Um, 
the hard work begins tomorrow though i mean we're gonna have to bury that statue of liberty you know at the beach <laughs> right <laughs> you damn apes um so okay we're obviously thinking a lot about the inauguration right so you've already gone there so we'll we'll go there um i don't know i'm not planning to watch it for a host of reasons um, what it's not like it's the voice i mean you can't i mean it's 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 not like a regular TV show. I, know. I mean, this might be, but, <laughs> right. but he's a ratings magnet. How could you not watch know, this? That's why I don't want to watch it. There, there were people at at work today. We we have like uh, a floor of like break rooms and stuff, and there were people glued to the TV. And I, I would because we have like our all of our soft drinks and water and you know break room stuff in these rooms, and I, I would go up periodically throughout the day. And I had a lunch meeting, so I didn't get to go sit in the, the lunch area where we had these TVs. But we have these huge TVs that are normally on Fox News or Fox News. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, we, we have different different channels you can watch. Uh, but all day, I mean, people were glued to this as his plane was landing. And then they're waiting for him to come in out of the, out of the Trump Hotel or whatever in D.C. I mean, people are, are really looking at this like it's uh, something big. I mean, you, you remember, you and I, we, yeah. we watched the Obama inauguration in, in 2008, 2009, I'm sorry, together, um, kind of in, in a weird way because we, we live streamed it, right? Right. Yeah. We were, um, maybe we live streamed the radio address of it. No, we, remember we Facebook, the video? Facebook and CNN. I might have been right. I remember, but I remember it was an ordeal because we were like, we, we, it's, we were like, it's 2009. How do we not, how can we not find a live stream of this? <laughs> yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah. I remember it kept breaking up, but I thought that was the one where it was like Facebook partnered with CNN for the first time and had like the been. live comments and it was, um, maybe that was 2012. Yeah. I, I mean, I definitely feel, uh, you know, different. Uh, this inauguration. Uh, Trump is in, uh, eliminating the National Endowment for the Arts. Yes, I know. And National Endowment for Humanities. And yeah, all that stuff is going to be in this budget, right? Because that's wasteful, except it's, yeah. I shouldn't read Twitter during the show. Point zero 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 three percent of the national budget. <laughs> yeah, right. And our, bud- our military is what? Like 60% or 39%. I don't know. Something insane. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Something insane. Okay. And speaking of the military, right? So, what does Trump want to do? This is kind of amazing. So, I'm reading this Washington Post article. It's a NASCAR race. <laughs> and he, um, it's about his slogan, like how he came up with the slogan. I don't know why I was reading it, but whatever. I was reading it. And the article was I really read that kind same of thing. Like, that, that was fascinating. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I thought it was. But then he's like, 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 like told him his slogan for 2020, and he was like, oh, I just came up with it. It's going to be great. It's like, <laughs> keep America great! Exclamation point. And he was like, hold on, get one of my lawyers. And so apparently yeah, go, a go, lawyer go trademark came in, that. Trademark that. With and without the exclamation point. Okay. Uh, it was interesting, though I, I knew this. I, had, I already knew this, but you know, to see again um, that he trademarked Make America Great Again. Uh, right after Obama was inaugurated in 2013, right after or right after he won the election in 2012, right. So this idea, like he hadn't been planning this for a while, as he obviously had, right. But so buried in this article about his slogan and about hats and about all of that kind of crap, he says, uh, "Oh, you know, like we're going to be big on the military, and and you know, we we're we might have parades down Pennsylvania Avenue." And I was like, "Hold on." Record scratch. Can we get that in the show? Record scratch. Um, 
parades down you know the street in your capital of your country uh, that's things that happen in not democracies right that's things that happen in moscow and pyongyang um yeah so it's like okay that's kind of amazing but maybe this is just whatever but then you come to find out that for his inauguration they tried to um get tanks and missile launchers for the inaugural parade right and they're doing five different flyovers and you've never been to a nascar race have you yes i have been to a nascar race <laughs> right so my, yeah charlotte, right. charlotte memorial day it looks like that i know well okay okay <clears throat> Not exactly, but yes, you do have flyovers, and we have flyovers at uh, sporting events. I think it's ridiculous. I think it has nothing to do with a sporting event, and it's just this kind of part of this like national, this civic religion that we have that the military is all tied up in in this really kind of odd way, in my opinion. Right, and you look at kind of it traces back to the post-war period where we we have to be all nationalistic and. Um, and that just kind of that stayed in kind of the national and the public transcript, so to speak. And um, but it's kind of amazing, right? The last person that had, uh, I think there was the last person that had a flyover um, at the inauguration was Truman, maybe. Um, so it's not something that's common. And you're like, oh, that's fine. We do it at sporting events and everything. But I also think, right? We can't allow ourselves to be to be you know desensitized to uh, kind of every little thing. Oh, flyover, that's okay. Well, maybe some tanks and some missile launchers, that might be okay. It's just a parade, right? But I don't know. I mean, this is kind of shocking to me, right? It's like they're not even trying to hide um, his ambitions to look and act. And, you know, I think he wants to be uh, an authoritarian. I mean, I think he's pretty much said his as much you know like i mean he looks at someone like obama who was kind of a i would say analytical yeah i mean some people would, would say he's not pragmatic but i would say you know an analytical kind of more pragmatic leader more of a bill clinton kind of moderate centrist type uh especially for people on the left and the right you know he, he frustrated i know a lot of my friends on the left and a lot of my friends on the right by not closing Guantanamo and doing this and doing this and Obamacare wasn't, you know, single payer and all that. But, um, you know, he looks at that as kind of a failure because Obama wasn't a strong man, even though Obama passed more executive actions than any president, you know, in history. Um, But, you know, but he he keeps talking about Obama being kind of a, you know, lip biscuit or or whatever metaphor you want to use there uh, because he wasn't, this magnanimous personality like a Putin and Putin is someone who we all respect. And, you know, I'd rather be more of a Putin figure than an uh, Obama figure. Despite the outcomes. Right. No, I think you're right. I mean, but if you look at the leaders that he praises around the world, right, it's Putin, it's uh, Marine Le Pen and France, it's Duterte and the Philippines. Um, These are all either authoritarians or want to be authoritarians. And, um, right. What it's, it's kind of, I don't know. Um, it's very, uh, unimaginative, right. That he can only think to do what other people have done. Like, oh yeah, strong leaders had military parades. Let's have a military parade. Right. Um, but that's not surprising. I mean, this is, this is Donald Trump we're talking about. Um, there's a great takedown I read like in the Atlantic or something this morning. I'll, I'll try to find that and put it in the show notes, but 
the whole point of the piece was um, catching oh Politica maybe catching up with three or four of his biographers like since they've talked to them last at, right after the election and you know kind of saying like did did the transition go like you thought it would and what kind of president do you think he's going to be now based on how the transition went and they all kind of said no you know he's always been this way and it's more of a kind of a bully mentality mm-hmm. that he learned from his father and and uh was it jimmy cohen or, or whatever cohen that whatever his right his uh, mentor's name was um and and you he's always been kind of anti-establishment but he's always wanted the establishment's approval mm-hmm. and they're telling stories about like when he first moved into mar-a-lago he would blast the music late at night and all the people in palm beach would complain because his music was playing so loud and he told one of his biographers like yeah you know f them i, I don't i don't uh what was it i don't want their approval i just want them all to know that we're having a good time here and I, I i mean i really think he's kind of trapped in that sort of early sort of i don't know yuppie late baby boomer mentality of i want to be accepted and i want the mainstream to really say i'm successful but i'm a kid of the 60s and i i'm anti-establishment and i want to you know just burn everything down and make it in my own image you know so it's right. kind of that generational yeah, but Play. it's also just rather adolescent too, right? Well, yeah, but I mean, I right? Mean, if you think about um, kind of the the cliche frat guy, right? A lot of my friends were in fraternities, and they're, of course, not all like this. But the cliche frat guy. I was president of a fraternity. Right? Watch yourself. Some of my best friends. <laughs> um, right, the cliche frat guy is a guy who's like a jerk to everybody and acts like he doesn't care, but desperately cares and wants everybody's attention and affection, right? And it's kind of that, and it's just like every, but everybody knows he's trying too hard, right? And everybody knows Trump is well, maybe not everybody, but you know, most people that spend any time around him um, in New York or you know, biographers like you're talking about. Um, you know, see right through his little spiel, but apparently it worked for some minority of this country that our electoral college decided should choose who our president, who, you know, the <laughs> sick burn. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I mean, I, yes, I think you're right. Yes. He has told us in a number of ways. We've obviously talked about this, that uh, about what he wants to be, but it, it's just kind of amazing that like there, like there's just no tact there either. It's not even like we're going to try to do this kind of like quietly or gradually. It's like, no, yeah, can we get some missile launchers out here? That'd be pretty awesome, right? <laughs> well, he's got Toby Keith there, you know. It's it's. We'll stick a boot up your ass. That, yeah, I was like, that's Toby red, Keith, blue. right? That's, I was thinking about that uh, right before we came on the show. I was like, that's so fitting. I, I, yeah, I think that's that's... You know that mentality of of Team America. You know. Yeah. So okay. So there are um, obviously some protests going to be happening tomorrow. You know, inauguration day uh, in D.C. and some other places. But kind of the biggest thing that's not Trump, and they're trying to say it's not anti-Trump, but you know, for a lot of people, it is. Is the Women's March, right? So the Women's March on Washington, and then it's spread to other cities around the uh, country, and then to a lot of other countries. I think I read today there. You know, marches planned um, in 57 countries for Saturday, the day after the inauguration. 
Um, I have friends in Berlin that are going to a march there. We're going to the march here in Tallahassee. Uh, you know, friends going in other parts of the country. Um, there are people in you know Africa that are going, and Asia that are going, and Europe and South America. I mean, it's kind of amazing, right? Um, and kind of really impressive. So, so what do you think those are going to accomplish, if anything? Uh, further polarize the country. I, th- I think it's just a way for people to have, I'm, I'm not talking about you cause I know you're, you're in it to win it, but <laughs> I think it's kind of that, that sort of, um, it's that, it's that same thing in us that makes us like a humane society post on Facebook. You know, it's that sort of delayed gratification of, well, I'm, I like their post. I kind of helped out. And yeah, it takes a little bit more to get to a march, I, I know, but it, it's not going to solve anything. I, I think the real way to solve stuff is by talking to people on the other side instead of rallying around people on on your or not. I'm not saying your side. I'm saying you know the uh, right. third party, your side. Um, you know, I, 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 yes, there are times and places where protest events work. I mean, God, Selma, Birmingham, you know, of course. Uh, but for things like this that include a kind of a, a national narrative, I'm not sure what all these things are going to accomplish, if anything, besides making certain people feel better about themselves because of the uncertainty. You know, it's it's the same thing that, that people on the left would knock people on the right for doing. Um, you know, there's always a drum circle. You know, but but what's <laughs> there's always a drum circle. <laughs> you know, but but like, what what what's the drum circle going to accomplish? Like, yeah, you're going to feel better. You're going you're gonna to get some mad grooves out. You're going to spread well, some okay, peace and so love into did, the world. So what did the million man march on DC accomplish? Um, uh, I mean, that depends on who you ask. What did the you know the the march on Selma accomplish? A whole hell of a lot. I don't know about the million man march i mean yeah you know kind of raised the stakes in the 90s but we still passed through a very racist um you know law under a democratic president that it still has reverberations in our uh cities today yeah i mean so we we talked about this right like what do you do right if you want to resist you know donald trump and his resist we much as al shopman says um So I mean I you know so I'm going I I think it's you know, I think it's a, I th- I think one of the positive things right the the idea at least the way the directors of the marches are talking about it is they're saying um, you know we're just we just want to send a message right it's very you know they're saying it's not anti-Trump and they're also they're not saying it's not yeah, pro Hillary but it kind of is yeah. right because they're saying we just want to send a message that women's rights are human rights human rights right which is obviously echoing uh, Hillary um, go to, go do that by voting. You know, if, if more people who felt that way in Pennsylvania had voted that way, this election would have been completely different, and the future for my children would have been completely different. But it's these people who get activated at these points, you know, where it takes something like this to get activated, that really frustrates well, I guess me. Everyone that's going to go out to one of these marches 
voted and they're i mean having been involved in politics in north carolina i can tell you i don't i don't think that's the case well but i would say it'd be the vast majority of them right i mean just the the way perhaps the way that it typically works right it's it's your super voters who wants to vote in every primary every election every off-year election uh and then Mm. they're the ones that are more likely to give and they're the ones that are more likely to give up their time as well to something like this there are some surprised there are some certainly that would you know that would not have but i wouldn't think it would i wouldn't think that the majority of the people going out to these marches um would have sat this election out but i agree i mean but you know i the question is is there is there value in um sending a message Right. And and to a certain degree, I think there is, uh, particularly uh, because of Donald Trump. Right. Because of who he is and because of what he values so much. Right. He values ratings. He wants everybody to like him. And I, I think it's what, but, so but what the, it does okay. it disrupts his narrative. And this is the. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It, it, it does not because it, it creates the divisiveness. And it does exactly what he wants. He wants the tanks and and the the missile launchers and all that crap down down Pennsylvania Avenue, just to get the liberals out, just to get the people who disagree with him out on the streets, to create division and and to to get people who are kind of in the middle, you know, who actually decide these things, to say like, well, I'm not going to go that way. And and yeah, Donald Trump's crazy, but you know, he's he's the president, or you know, he's he's got. The mainstream or whatever he's he's playing us and when we play into that by giving him more attention by protesting i mean it's not marches it's not solidarity movements it's protest and that's fine i mean protests are great it's it's our constitution protects that and it, as it should however we're in a new era where protests might not be the best way to actually rally around and get something done because all that is doing in a trump economy of, of attention is giving more attention to Trump because these aren't pro-democracy protest. These aren't pro-women protests as much as we try to brand it as that. These are anti-Trump protest. And anything that involves anti-Trump or anti-this or anti-that that has to do with Trump is pro-Trump. And Trump gets that, as does Putin. And we still haven't gotten that in the United States if we're on the Democratic side. Or the Republican side. I mean, the Tea Party fell apart for a good reason. But Trump is a new type of thing that is not just sort of relegated to our little part of North America. I mean, this is something that's happened, whether it's Erdogan or Putin or uh, uh, Minajad in, in Iran. I mean, this sort of ability to play people and to get the protesters activated to help you is a, a brilliant moving away i mean not really brilliant but you know it's it's a it's a practical way of doing it but it, it's sort of like saying we need to walk up to a gun and, and stick a flower in it in 1997 because that worked in 1967 and i i think we really need to step back and reevaluate and like say okay maybe having uh you know the heck no trump must go cheers on cnn is not going to change anything because all you're doing is adding more spotlight onto Trump and you're improving his ratings. So if we want to really change things, let's think about better ways to get our message out there. I'm not saying our, but get better ways to, to get the message out there if you're anti-Trump. I don't know. I, I just think like operating within the same paradigm as we've operated for 50 years is, is not going to work in a, in a 
in this new reality that we find ourselves in. Okay, so and so I don't disagree on that point, and I also don't disagree that Trump believes that uh, all press is good press. Okay, uh, to an extent, but he only believes that to an extent. Because if you look what he's saying now, right, he's now saying that the public opinion polls are rigged, right? So um, he doesn't believe the public opinion polls where they say he's coming in as the um, least, you know, the lowest favorability of any president ever. Okay. Of course, he. I, I'm sure he believes that, but he's. But he's not. Okay. But he's dog whistling. Yes, he's dog whistling. Of course, but I also think that that he knows that he believes it and he has to say that it's wrong for a lot of reasons, but it bothers him how uh, poor his favorability ratings are. And totally, the thing that totally. I think yeah. uh, so many marches and so many people this weekend does is it takes the narrative away from, oh, look, Trump was presidential because he gave a message of unity. So, yeah, maybe Democrats should kind of come together. And now it's like, oh, we have these you know thousands or hundreds of thousands of people that are saying, um, yeah, we have a problem with the fact that we just inaugurated someone who bragged about committing sexual assault. Right. So so I think in a way it does disrupt his narrative. And I also think that we may give him too much credit um, for like playing the long game, for instance. Right. So, you know, for a while, everybody was like, oh, don't let him, you know, his Twitter wars are just a distraction from this other thing. So anytime he would say something crazy on Twitter, it, people would search around like, oh, what else is going on? He's clearly trying to distract us from that. And then come to find out, oh, he's just live tweeting Fox News. Right. So he's this very kind of spontaneous guy. And, and it's not that I don't think he doesn't think ahead. So I'm ready trademark make america great in 2012 okay um but i also don't know that i wouldn't say that his like oh i want tanks and missile launchers is only designed to rile the liberals up so that he can say oh look how bad these people are uh you know this is why we need to be in control because they're just you know little babies or whatever um i think what he wants is he want i mean he's saying that oh you can't find a hotel room in dc well i saw today there's like 40 percent of the hotel rooms in dc are still available right he wants people to believe that everybody wants to be there and that everybody is there this is why he always over exaggerated uh the size of his crowds and he had large crowds so he didn't need to but he still had to over exaggerate it and say oh there are thousands of people waiting outside to get in when the room wasn't even full right because he needs that attention and he needs to create the illusion that everybody loves him, right? This is what authoritarians do. This is what they do in Russia. This is what they do in North Korea, right? They pay people, they bust people in, they bust the few supporters that um, the leaders have in, and they put them on the side of the street so that they can cheer when the leader drives by and make it look like, oh, all the people are happy to see this guy, right? Trump is of, he is cut from that cloth, I believe. And so, while I think you're right that yes, we need to change tactics need to change that you need to vote and that you need to uh, people need to run and you need to get people elected and you need to change policies and you need to do this on all kinds of different fronts. Um, I still think that uh, when when you decide to to some degree take control of the narrative, that that's better than what Democrats have been doing, which is, only ever responding and maybe this is still just a response because it's the day after the inauguration um but i think it, they're more taking response. control of the narrative than they have in a lot of other cases 
I completely disagree. You look at the bench of, of the Democratic Party nationwide, and it's terrible. I mean, we've never... Uh, I'm oh, not saying absolute, we... Absolutely. Democrats have never been in this situation where we have so few legislatures, state reps, state senators, governors, you know, senators, House of Representatives... Lost over a thousand in Federal Congress. Obama years. Yeah. I mean, it, it, if all these people want to go march and, and get, you know get triggered by Trump so that they turn up go run for office you know like get get motivated to do something real and I'm not saying protesting isn't real but get motivated to do something that's going to create more change rather than playing into the Trump narrative and I, I mean I, I understand what you're saying but I, I still disagree and I think that in this new reality you know whether it's Ferguson whether <laughs> whether it's Charleston whatever like protest only have have seemed in the in the most recent decade to to really kind of amplify the other side of the message unfortunately even though i mean god ferguson was yeah, in my opinion very valid you know in terms of people being very upset and angry over well, what but, happened yeah so so ferguson's a good a good example right because obviously we would say hey this is valid with what they were protesting and um the um, investigations that have gone on after the fact have shown that you know they were systemically targeting black people and that they were using you know tickets to pay their you know basically to cover their overhead which they can't do and all this type of stuff right so they they had all kinds of systemic issues in Ferguson um, that are you know being changed now the Justice Department is coming in and saying you have to change these things right so it drew attention to that it brought the Justice Department in but it also catapulted um, this conversation about police brutality onto the national scene right and well, so in, in a way that the climate change has you know like it edifies those people who think that black lives matter is a real thing but it also edifies people who say no blue lives matter or all lives matter or there is no such right, thing as climate change Right, but I mean, everything you do is going to do that, right? If, Not if necessarily. I, yeah, if I work to get some, you know, if I run for office and I get elected, then and I'm going to say we need these policies and not those policies. That's, you know, people that already agree with me are going to say, yeah, that's right, and people that already disagree with me are going to say, no, that's wrong, right? So, right, but but that that that's just as dangerous as putting Trump there, you know. But when you go into your if you were to get elected and you go into your scenario and you say, well, I'm going to go with this. And if I piss off these people on the other side, then, you know, F them. Whereas we have people like Joe Biden or I'm trying to think of someone on the on the Republican side. Uh, what's his name? Uh, da, 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 early 80s. Anyway, you know, we, we have people that go into and <laughs> go back to the 80s. We have people that that sort of see Washington for what it should be and what the founders Right, you know, sort of set it up as as a place where you make the sausage of government and you compromise and you have politics, and uh, uh, Tipper, Tip, Tip O'Neill yeah, and uh, Ronald Reagan. Yeah, I mean, there you go. So you, we we've lost that, and I'm not saying that you know Martin Luther King style marches didn't work in the '60s. I think they did. I, mean, I love Martin Luther King. I'm not saying that as a you know 40 year old white guy. I mean, I, I have. Posters in my dorm room asking my roommate of Martin Luther King that I ordered from the King Center in Atlanta. I took classes on Martin Luther King. Uh, anyway, but 
and, and I'm, trying, I'm not trying to sanitize him or make him white or anything like that. Like I, I honor him for who he is and who he was and what, what he means to me as a, as a white male who's trying to figure out my way out of you know, rural South Carolina. But I also recognize that in 2016, we need people out there who are participating in the process of government and not just saying, you know, hey, hey, Trump must go today type things, you know? Like, like if we really cared about this this much, and if, if Trump really wanted to, to see the after effects of his stillbirth as a president, we would have people running, we would have people knocking down the doors of federal and state and local election offices to, to sign up to run for things. And we don't have that on, on the left or on the Democratic side. Well, I would say, um, so I agree, and we're, we've talked about this on the show, right? Where I think you have to put your energy and effort is local. I think that's where you affect change, and I think that's what Republicans did over the past eight years, and it was wildly successful, and Democrats just weren't paying attention, apparently. I don't know. Um, they were just all starstruck by having Obama in the White House. Um, They're paying attention, but but no one wants to step up and, and take responsibility. Okay. I, don't think it, I don't think it's that. Um, I think there are hurdles. <laughs> I think there are are. It's a big decision to say, okay, I'm going to run for office, right? That's big for anybody. Um, but I also think there are particular obstacles to certain groups running for office, okay? Uh, so when Obama said in his farewell address that, like, if, you, you know, if you're upset about things, you need to lace your sneakers up, grab a clipboard, and go run for office. Well, that's really yes. easy for you to say when you're a constitutional law professor. It's a lot harder for, and he's saying young people need to do this, but there are a lot of barriers for, to young people doing that, right? One is the time. One is access to capital to invest in your own campaign. And if you think about uh, if you want to run for local office here in Tallahassee, for instance, you either have to pay um, a fee that it depends, you know, some offices like $5,000, I think some might be $10,000, or you have to get like 5,000 signatures. Okay, so what do you do? GoFundMe.com. You know, okay, Patreon. so maybe, maybe you set up a GoFundMe and maybe you get it that way. Most people aren't going to get it that way, right? Because you need to get the support from, for the most part, from the people in your community, the people you're trying to get to vote for you. So do I write a five or $10,000 check? You know, I can't do that. Or even if I could, you know, maybe that's my savings, right? I'm trying to buy a house or I'm trying to do that or whatever. Um, not to mention the fact that millennials now earn 20% at this stage in life less than their parents did. Right. Not to mention, they're also saddled with exorbitant student loan debt. And then um, so if they're lucky enough to have a job, it's probably not a job that's going to say, you know what? Hey, I, I think it'd be great if you go run for school board. And I think it'd be great if you go uh, canvas during the day or, you know, you can take your afternoons off and go knock on doors. Right. So there's a certain amount of level of privilege that a lot of people um, have to have to actually run for office. Just like the just like the privilege I'm seeing with you know a, a tweet just now Alec Baldwin leading a massive protest in New York, uh, Michael Moore leading a massive protest in New York. Both between the two of them, they could fund thousands of candidates. Right. No, I agree. I agree. call up call up Alec Baldwin and say, Hey, I'm in Tallahassee. I want to run for school board. I'm a Democrat. What do I need to do to get your approval in a five hundred thousand five thousand dollar check? I mean. Uh, I'm not saying the resources are out there, but if you have time on a Friday afternoon at 12:30 to go march, you've got time to call up Al or figure out a way to get in touch with Alec Baldwin and say, "Hey, I need 500 bucks to run for for office." Well, the march is on a Saturday for when a lot of people aren't working. Your mom's on a Saturday. <laughs> um, 
um, I mean, I'm just saying, like, there there are obstacles that, yeah, there are certainly plenty of people. Uh, every politician wants to tell the rags to riches story of how you know they started from nothing and now they've been successful. And some of them, that's actually true. But for many of them, they had significant privileges, be it um, through their family, through the money that they earned, or you know something like that. They had significant privileges that allowed them to even be able to entertain the idea of running for office, right? So if you have a single mother who has your great policy ideas for you know how to that would be wonderful on the school board, but she works two jobs and has you know two or three kids. How is she going to be able to run for school board, which is a part, you know, locally is a part time job and is not a salary that you can live off of? I, I completely agree, but we're not going to be able to change that system until more people do that, until we have more John Lewis's in office. You know, more people yeah, who I step agree. out there you and say, you know what, I, I have I, there to change it. Yes, absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you got to get the single moms, you got to get the African Americans, you got to get this, you got to get those people. And I'm sorry. But, you know, but you have to. I sounded like a complete white guy just then, didn't I? Single moms, African. (laughs) It's not going to change until people who give a damn about something besides money and power and the size of their hands are in office. And if you feel strongly enough to say that, like I do, like, oh my gosh, I've got a nine-year-old, a six-year-old, and a 14-month-old son and my two older daughters, and I don't want them to grow up in a world where they think Donald Trump is the most qualified man to run this country. What do I do about that? Oh, I'm going to go protest. Well, yes, go protest. But then go run for office. Like, stop making Facebook posts. Stop tweeting. I would say that that, um, that marches and protests and and being involved in your community like that are often ways that people get over some of maybe – personal barriers to running for office Nah, it's it's just a way to blow the the social release valve it's like oh i did something i'm good i did you see me on tv i was on wis i went out there in march that was awesome we, we went by the state house three times great now go run for office or, or or go support someone in that march who's running for office give them 20 bucks give them 10 bucks because that goes a long way as you just said i mean it, sure, if something in Tallahassee costs $5,000 to run for, which is crazy, I mean, get, I don't know, 50 people to give 100 bucks or 500 people to give 10 bucks, and boom, shakalaka, there you go. But we keep making excuses because of this delayed kind of social gratification that we get from our outrage at Trump and still Trump's president. And, you know, we can say, well, a majority of Americans, yes, a majority of Americans did vote against Trump, but the Electoral College is the system that we have. You want to change that? That's not going to change if you wish it away. It's not going to change because of the number of Facebook likes you get. It's going to change if you're in office and you're doing the hard work of government. you got to step up. you got to get out there and do the hard work if you really care about this stuff. And not enough people care enough about this stuff to get out there and do the hard work, no matter what our rhetoric says. We all want to come home at night and just kind of say, well, I feel better about myself because I went out and did that for two hours. I'm just gonna let everybody right. just grabbing towels to dry off from the cold water you're pouring on them. <laughs> I just I feel passionate about this because I, I I did politics. I know, I know. politics and I know. No, I and I, it's I, so I frustrating to hear people I just, say. I just don't think um I don't think things like protests and marches are completely useless. 
I didn't say they're completely useless. I know. Useless, but I, I but I also I really don't like the privileging away of, of running for office. You know, and I see this all the time on MSNBC when people say, well, that's good for you white men who have money. Oh, my God, there's a lot of money out there for everybody. And I'm not trying to be Matthew Lesko here, but if you really care about something, you can get people motivated and activated. Okay. Uh, and there are lots of great examples of that. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I, I agree. But I, I Barack agree. Obama was a community organizer. Cory Booker, amazing, came from nothing the great things yeah there are know? some examples like that but but barack obama didn't, he didn't become president right after being a community organizer right he was a pretty law much professor i'm um, sorry he was a senator he wasn't right then he was a senator right so he, <laughs> he was a constitutional law professor then he became a state senator i'm not saying he that's a for, senator and then he became well president. go run for the school board go run for county yeah, council go run for the city council i agree i think more people need to step up Absolutely. Uh, and I think you need to have more people willing to give their money to those people. I think the the Democratic Party needs to say, hey, we're actually going to focus on local races like the DNC yes. should have been doing the whole time. And that's what Keith Ellison is calling for them to do. And that's what they should be doing. Right. They need to actually be investing there. Um but I also think we have to be realistic and honest about the barriers that do exist to for a lot of people. And and there are plenty of people for whom those barriers are only excuses, but that's not true of everyone. And, and I and I agree with you completely. We can only change the system by getting in the system, right? Being a part of the system and having voice in the system to change it. It only takes a crazy man from Galilee and you know eleven or twelve followers, depending on how you count, to get down to Jerusalem to make a, a difference. Yeah, to get killed. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, if you care about it enough. <laughs> Go to Jerusalem during Passover and preach the gospel and see what happens. Armed. You know, go to, go to go Washington to and preach the gospel. During the Passover and then see what happens. <laughs> okay, Asla. Resla. No, 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 no. That's not Reza Aslan's. Well, he might that might he might have talked about that too. Yeah, but, he was, but, he was yeah, a, the a scary thing, right? But yeah. um uh I can't think of his name right now, but the article is in Noam Testamentum. It's uh really good. It came to the EP, not EP Sanders. Um um, there was someone way before that. Del Martin. Del Martin. Uh, wrote, yeah, yeah, Del. About yeah. That recently, um, yeah. that his his argument for the historical Jesus kind of getting arrested or whatever is because he and his followers are armed, and that they knew that would get them arrested. Anyway, um, yeah. So I mean, w I would echo your uh, argument here, right? Of that you have to get involved. And I believe wholeheartedly that involvement has to be on the local level. And for most people that do get involved, that's all it will ever be. And that's completely okay, right? That's where politics matters. That's where the politics, um, the decisions get made that actually affect your life for the most part. Yes, a lot of decisions get made at the federal level that affect your life, right? Hey, like if they repeal the, the Affordable Care Act, right? It's not just gonna affect the 20 million people that have insurance through the Affordable Care Act. It's gonna affect everyone. Yes, there are decisions like that, uh, but there are a lot of other decisions made at the local level that uh, matter a lot more um, that a lot of people just don't even know about and don't care about. And they think that it's, you know, it doesn't matter. It's small ball because it's local stuff. And I only care about the, uh, you know, the national stuff. I care about talking about presidential and congressional things. Right. And I, and I think that's part of why the Democrats have gotten where they've gotten now. So I agree with that. So, if anybody out there is planning to run for office, um, 
talk to us. We'd like to talk to you about it, how you made that decision. <laughs> or if, well, Thomas, I, I have something to tell you. <laughs> right. Or if anybody wants to uh, fund uh, a campaign Sam for Sam Samurai, for governor, um, because you know Nikki Haley is, uh, is going to the UN. Going to the UN. We we got to have a governor. Got to. And true. I mean, somebody's got to do it. I mean, Henry McMaster is not the governor we need or deserve. So <laughs> um, <laughs> after a long period of deliberation, I've decided. So yeah, if you want to fund a campaign for Samurai, get in touch. Let us know. Um. Yeah, okay, we know there's stuff we were going to talk about, but I, I think that's a good conversation. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's tough, right? But the reality is um, kind of in, in the things that you and I talked about in the last show, right, where we were talking about Biden and this kind of uh, what seems to be uh, a rapidly going extinct figure in American politics, this just kind of old school public servant. Right. Uh, that I, I right. want to serve my community. I want to serve my state. I want to serve my country. Uh, and I'm going to do it by doing the boring stuff and writing policy and, you know, talking about um, easements and canopy roads and sewer drainage and bike paths. And uh, then every once in a while, we might talk about something that is a social issue that gets people fired up. But for the most part, we're going to, you know, talk about all these other things um, and just work to incrementally make people's lives better. Well, you know, I mean, government's hard, like anything else. And um, I'm not going to do it, but <laughs> not going to do it. But the 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 trick is to step up and and you know, if you really care enough about something, take take the next step, take ownership. Don't just uh, delay your, your social gratification. Seriously, if we do have listeners out there that uh, have decided to run for something or are currently running for something, uh, let us know. We'd like to talk to you on the show um, about that process. I think that'd be a kind of fascinating conversation about your run for school board or uh, county commission or uh, soil and water conservation uh, district three or whatever. Um, Can you run for that? Oh, I, well, there you run for them in Tallahassee. But oh, you're running for fun. everything in Tallahassee. I'm totally running for that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Let's make soil and water conservation great again. And you have to get to know your soil and water conservation uh, people. I can't remember. They like they're not commissioners, but um, yeah, you got to get to know them. I mean, I don't know all of ours, huh. but I do know the person that I voted for. So, um, <laughs> was it Democrat? Uh, well, so at the at the local level, you technically run. Uh, or at least here in Tallahassee, most local level places, you run unaffiliated. Um, but yes. Oh gosh, people are burning MAGA hats and American flags together. Nice. So I'm going to guess we're going to get a lot of, maybe Trump's going to come out and say that they should be uh, maybe <laughs> maybe shot and killed for burning his hats and the American flag, even though it's constitutionally protected. Uh, so tomorrow is going to be interesting. The inauguration day is going to be interesting. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I have a lot of thoughts. I'm just not sure how I'm going to feel about it. Um, I don't know. I mean, but my last thought for this show, you know, thinking about because we are going to go out on Saturday. We're going to go to this march, um, and it will be something of a release valve for a lot of people. But I don't know that that's a bad thing. Yeah, it is because people need to be pent up so they'll go do something. Right, but this—it's the Facebookification of America, where you know we we get a little dopamine releases by having people 
give us 20 likes on our, on our pictures. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll feel better about myself. Whereas, God, I sound like an old man. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't do anything anymore because it's like, well, uh, you know, I put that up on Facebook, so I feel better about it. Yeah. Where I went out and marched. Yeah. It's a real thing. Well, but I don't think they're the same thing. Fine. Your mom's not the same thing. All right, we are rapidly digressing, I think, here. So we're going to wrap this one up. Um, let us know your thoughts on Inauguration. Uh, if you watch it, if you don't, uh, your responses. Um, we're, you know, we thought about talking some about uh, kind of the religion aspect that we expected the Inauguration, but we didn't get to that. Uh, but, you know, maybe next week we'll be able to get to talk about the religion that we did see there. We know a lot of what's going to happen. We know... Um, some of the people that are going to pray, we know the people that have been left out, namely Muslims. Um, so it's going to be interesting. There's going to be a really kind of fascinating religion angle uh, to it as well, beyond just the civic religion aspect of it. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, as always, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Thomas Whitley. Sam is at Sam Harrelson. And you can always find more great podcasts at thinking.fm.